Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Cleverley, and today I am joined by Brian Joyner of BP Boston and Over the Monster. Brian, what's up? Just watching the Red Sox, hoping they make it through the game we're watching right now without uh, a fist fight. You want no fist fight? No, I, 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 it seems like they're over it, though, I think. I kind of wanted a fist fight i have to be honest like i was listening to the pro joe guys podcast um before we recorded this one and you know they made the point that maybe that is the catharsis that this needs to like finally have some closure um because it it seems like this red Sox orioles thing just keeps uh adding wrinkles rather than um you know coming to some sort of head so i was almost hoping like i I, I turned the game on as soon as it came on, um, even though I was doing other things just in case I heard like anything on the game about a brawl. So I'm actually going to be sort of scared that a brawl happens while we're recording this because it is 7.58 as we're doing it, um, and I don't want to miss a brawl. Yeah, I, I was going to say we should – I mean we should keep all this in, but uh, that – just operate – I'm just saying operating on the subject that there is no brawl. I thought they were right, but I thought they were right for the game uh, where Manfred like an hour beforehand was like, knock it off. Um, yeah. So I think that that changed the tenor of it. So when it didn't happen and then that ridiculous – you know, I've sort of come around on the umpire uh, throwing the guy out, but I think he ended up sort of being – doing a good thing for the wrong reason. Yeah. Um, and that when he did that, he sort of made like the teams were not like the Orioles were no longer mad at the Red Sox. They were mad at the umpire um, and the Red Sox were like, well, we're not going to open our mouths about that. So uh, he took the attention away and I think that sort of diffused it. And I think that was another reason the fist fight was more like it. Now, I still think they might fight in the future like they're going to play at the beginning of June. And if it's not, you know, it could be 90 degrees. If it is, people are going to get angry. But I'm glad that we don't have to deal with it for another few weeks. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was going to come to a head the night that I went to see them, which was Tuesday, which is why we're kind of recording this a little bit later than we typically do in the week. Um, I was there for the Chris Sale start, and I told my wife who I, I was there with, and I was there with a couple other people, I was like, so we're probably going to see an awesome pitching performance, but we might see like just an inning of a pitching performance followed by a fist fight or something like that because I really did kind of have a feeling that Chris Sale was going to throw at someone, um, and my seats were terrible. They were they were kind of out in right field, so I couldn't see exactly what was going on um, when Chris Sale threw at him, and I kind of had to look at the video board and you know see what was going on and everything, but. Um, I was sort of surprised that Sale picked the first friggin' inning to throw behind Manny Machado. Like, a Chris Sale start's pretty valuable to your team. Why not wait till, I don't know, the seventh inning? It's not like that guy's planning on giving up any friggin' runs. Here's why. Does Chris Sale wait to do anything? No, I suppose not. We're talking about the guy who did cut up a whole shitload of jerseys uh, just because he thought they were uncomfortable and not conducive to winning. So that's that's a very fair point that I hadn't considered is just how insane also, Chris Sale is. 
but waiting specifically, that dude moves. That dude does not wait for the stuff to happen. Oh he, yeah. He's, he's I'm on the mount. I'm going to do what I want. And he's like, he wanted to hit Machado. Machado was up. It was right after the Jones at bat. It was so weird. You thought like, yes, this might be over. <laughs> what you saw on TV uh, is that just by his facial expression and how he pitched the next few pitches, it was abundantly clear that it was on purpose. There was no, no doubt about it. Um, and he's, you know, he hasn't admitted as such, but he sort of has. Uh, he pretty much has, right? Yeah. Like yeah he's yeah. high-fiving everybody and talking about the pool party and, you know, saying that he's not going to lose any sleep over Machado's rant. Like he's, he's all but giving Machado the finger at this point. Yeah. I just, the one thing I want to say about Machado, and I think you were tweeting about it, uh, but it might've been one of the, uh, extended crew here. Was <laughs> it like, he's so good. Um, watching some of those defensive plays he made, um, there was a, like a short hopper. Someone hit to him where it was about as hard as you could hit it to third. And he turned a double play on it. Like it was nothing. Um, that's – I'm going to – you know, this fight stuff is going to linger, but uh, <laughs> he may not be on the Orioles forever. And if he was on, say, the Yankees, that would be uh, – it doesn't matter really because they're going to face him either way, but uh, they're going to be seeing this guy forever. Yeah, I love watching him play too. He's sort of the uh, the yin to the Red Sox yang in terms of the Red Sox third base situation too, which we're going to get to uh, later in the night. But he is everything good about a third baseman, and the Red Sox are everything that is bad about third base uh, and have been for a while now. Um, but I wanted to really focus this show on positive news today um, because so often on this show we kind of – try and fix stuff or, or theorize about how things could be fixed. But, um, you know, we have some unprecedentedly good things happening. Uh, and it starts with the crazy lanky man, Chris Sale, um, who has been so amazing that he joined this super elite list that um, Alex Spear uh, wrote about in his newsletter, 108 Stitches. So uh, I steal from him frequently, and it's the utmost of a compliment because um, he typically does stat work that I don't have to do, which is awesome. Um, Come on the show, Alex Spear. Yeah, I dare you. Do it. Um, five straight uh, starts with 10 Ks and fewer than two runs. Uh, he joins a group of pitchers that is basically the who's who of amazing pitchers. Uh, Pedro Martinez, Randy uh, Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Johan Santana, and then uh, a guy who had a few good seasons, J.R. Richard. Um, so uh, ridiculous company right there that he's joining at this point uh, with what he has done this this season. And, like, when I was at the start, he threw eight innings, uh, 11 strikeouts. It just didn't seem abnormal. Like, he didn't seem like, hey, we're in the midst of something amazing because through five starts I've been desensitized to the fact that this guy's just this filthy. It's It's crazy. It's become the norm. You know, this is why uh, on Deadspin, Tim Marchman, the editor, is a big White Sox fan. He writes the Blight Sox blog, which is starting, which just takes every uh, terrible White Sox move and writes about it. And I think the sale trade was the inspiration. You know, Mankata is pretty highly regarded, but he 
Marshman was still livid that they traded Sale, and now I understand why. Uh, it's it's a it feels like it's base the pace especially feels like it's baseball as it's supposed to be, uh, even though most people just aren't good enough to do it like that. Yeah, I think the game that I was at ended in two hours and thirty three minutes, um, and it just it was shocking how quick quickly it was over. I've you know I've been to a bunch of Red Sox Yankees games over the years, and those things are like four hour and twenty minute affairs where there's you know pitching changes and grind it out at bats, and this was uh, this was something else. It was crazy. It well, was... I think sales start against the Yankees was the fastest Red Sox Yankees game in like uh, twenty years or something. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, um, but I, I think we're all kind of shocked that Chris Sale has been this good because he's not even like you know the best version that i guess that we could have expected based on like what happened in the last few years and he had sort of a down year last year but everybody kind of says that that was on purpose he was trying to do something else he was trying to pitch more to contact and be more efficient but what we've ended up with is the best version of chris sale that there's ever been like this is it this is the best Chris Sale's ever been in his career over a stretch, isn't it? Yeah, and it's uh, it doesn't always work out this way, uh, as the David Price uh, acquisition <laughs> can show you, and countless others. But it's nice when it does. I, I generally think the White Sox have just had a black cloud over them, uh, which has lifted somewhat. Uh, but for such a long time. You know, the atmosphere there was terrible. I Chris Sales also obviously has strong opinions on things. And uh, he seems pretty uh, angry when he goes out there and pitches. And it reminds me of Randy Johnson. It reminds me of Clemens. It's just like these – he seems angry. Um, Pedro too, you know. Yeah, there's there there definitely does seem to be that commonality between a lot of great pitchers. There's there's few and far between who go out there and are happy go lucky between starts. You you do seem to almost need that killer instinct to uh to get to this level. So it's been awesome watching him, but another thing that's been positive on the offensive side which has been lacking a little bit is the little hot streak that Hanley Ramirez has gotten into here. Um Matt Collins, our our former colleague, who's now at Over the Monster. Oh, well, he's uh, my boss at Over the Monster. So. Oh yeah, your your continuing colleague, I should say. Um, yeah. He rightfully called. I think it was in the middle of last week. He pretty much said, "Hey, like Hanley's going to get hot," which you know isn't exactly a groundbreaking call because Hanley does this from time to time. Uh, but pretty much right after he said it, Hanley got into a little stretch where he had. Um, you know, a home run on the 29th, the home run on the 30th, uh, and then two home runs when I was there on Tuesday, uh, bringing his total up to five. Uh, we knew he had been hitting the ball hard pretty much all year long, um, but now he seems to be locked in into one of his stretches. And, you know, with the way that the Red Sox have been pitching lately, um, that could lead to some some wins here, uh, which would be very welcome by the Red Sox. So, um, that has been good. And then Pomerantz and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez have been extremely good as well. Um, I have to say there's probably nothing that's been more shocking to me uh, in the early season than Pomerantz. Uh, maybe it's a toss-up between Kimbrell, who we'll get to in a second. But 
I really expected beyond nothing from Pomerantz. I was his biggest skeptic. I think I traded him in a fantasy league that I was in for Wainwright straight up. Like, that's what I thought of him. And no one thinks that Wainwright's going to be good this year. Um, I just thought he was going to be terrible. And what we've seen from him is the best K rate that he's had over his entire career. And his ERA still sits at four, so it's nothing, you know, crazy. But he's kept them in every single start that he's been in. He looks good. It, I mean, it's really just the home runs that uh, are a little bit weighty on him. I've, I think I was the opposite. I think we talked to Brian McPherson about this because we were getting into the trade, the trade back rules, uh, such as there. Maybe it was Evan. It was Evan Drellick. Uh But we were talking about, you know, would we rather have uh, Manny Margot? Uh, and that was a month ago and the answer now is clearly no i've i've always oh, i'm sorry anderson espinoza yes yeah um, espinoza yeah right right that's the whole point uh and this is the whole this was my whole point is that it's hard to get to the to the place pomerantz has gotten to uh and he always had the potential to do this now how long it I mean if he pitches like this all season this is a win so yes it's something to be happy about same thing with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez who for the first few three starts or so looked like the bad one and now looks like the good one though he still walks too many guys yeah I think if you look at the underlying stats Pomerantz is probably a little bit better even though Eddie's the guy with the 270 ERA right now he's he's sort of lucked into that I think a little bit with how much uh, he has been walking guys um, and he still has kind of an inflated home run to fly ball rate as well as Drew Pomerantz but I think the underlying numbers say that Pomerantz has been a little bit better and then the stuff um, from Pomerantz has been pretty filthy when he's been out there the biggest knock on him is just really you know is this is this a guy who's going to continue to be efficient is this a guy who's going to be uh, healthy and is this a guy who is going to be able to impact the team um, you know in August and September in the playoffs and that's something that remains to be seen but you know in the early going it's the pitching that's been keeping um, the Red Sox in these games which um, you know o- over the last couple of years is not something that we've been used to the Red Sox currently have a 332 ERA as a team uh, combining the relief and the starters um and a big part of that success has come from the bullpen uh, the bullpen ranks second in all of baseball right now with a 212 era uh, starters i believe are right around 10th uh, and that includes you know the ridiculous start from sale there um, but the biggest factor in that has been the success of craig kimbrell which um is somebody who I've been kind of equally skeptical, if not more uh, skeptical of than uh, Drew Pomerantz, just because of how he performed last year. And, you know, I, I think you remember all of the issues that he had last year as well. Uh, you mean Kimbrell or Pomerantz? Kimbrell. Well, sort of. I, I don't see a lot of Craig Kimbrell because I don't stay up late enough most of the time. Um, just uh, with regard to uh, Pomerantz, hmm, no, I don't remember. Oh, here's here's what I was gonna say. 
David Price is huge um, because you were saying with Pomerantz, can he stay healthy? Well, that is not something he has done very well. With Stephen Wright out, it's incredibly important uh, for David Price to actually come back and not go through the sort of normal pitcher cycle of getting hurt in his rehab and going away. Now, it seems to be going fine. He threw off the mound today and uh, apparently was hitting 95. Uh, but just that to eat the innings, uh, as good as Pomerantz has been, I don't think I trust the health. Yeah, I don't think I trust the health either. Um, but I think we have to be excited that we're even getting this version of him because like if he came out this season and pitched to a five era in the early going would you have really been all that shocked considering how he finished last year no so yeah i'm with you yeah um you know i guess it is worth talking about stephen wright too here a little bit uh stephen wright goes out for the rest of the year with knee surgery um, not that much of a loss to the team considering when he leaves the team, it's with 24 innings and an 8.25 ERA, um, almost all of which he deserved. Uh, he served up a whole lot of home runs uh, in just that short amount of time. Uh, luckily, I was rostering him on a deep fantasy league, so I won't talk about that. But um, <clears throat> the guy who replaces him is Kyle Kendrick, um, who is pitching right now as we speak uh kyle kendrick had the big spring didn't do a whole lot when he was up with Pawtucket. had a six era with them um and he's the logical call up to be the long-term replacement because uh, he is out of options so when they return him he is going to be exposed to waivers and you know if he pitches well presumably he'll be picked up and uh, if he doesn't pitch well then who cares uh and he probably will end up back uh in triple a but um, this is a guy who has a chance to come up and keep them in games, and I think that it was probably the right move rather than selecting one of the kids. What do you think? I think that if he had been in Wright's place from the beginning of the year, the Red Sox might have a couple more wins. So I feel bad for Stephen Wright. You know, I wish he wasn't hurt. I wish he was good, but he's been very bad. So it's not, as you said, it's not going to hurt the team um, because – if you can have someone get, goes out there and throw innings, they're going to be better than giving up a run in inning. So yeah. it's not ideal to be depending on Kyle Kendrick and Drew Pomerantz, uh, Pomerantz just because of the injuries, and then Eduardo because of the control. But it's manageable if David Price can put some innings in, in this year. I'm not sure that the five we have right now could hack it for the season. Yeah, I don't think, and I don't think they'll have to, right? You know, because ideally we get David Price back, like you said. And as long as Price comes back when he's supposed to, losing Stephen Wright isn't uh, a huge deal. I'm not sure the five we have right now could last the whole year, but hopefully that's not what we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, with with the bullpen being as strong as it has been in the early going, 
um, you can absorb a little bit of uh, struggle if a guy like Kyle Kendrick comes up and you know doesn't pitch all that well. Uh, won't be that big of a deal for the team, and part of that has been the uh, incredible early season success of Craig Kimbrell, who has uh, returned to his dominant self. He's got 24 strikeouts so far on the season with just two walks. Uh, he was guilty of walking a crap load of guys last year in key situations, not really performing. He had a few blown saves last year that were uh, pretty bad. Um, he has looked like a very different player, almost like the same version of the player that we saw when he was with you know, Atlanta. He has been that type of dominant so far this year. Maybe not quite that good, but um, closer to that level than he was uh, certainly last season. Um, and the other guy who's been awesome is a guy who's been one of my favorite relievers for the, the Red Sox for uh, his pretty much his entire time up here, which has been Heath Hembree. Uh, who has taken a step forward in terms of his strikeouts. His control is pretty good. Um, he's got a 123 ERA right now, and he might not deserve every bit of that, but he's gotten them out of some pretty sticky situations this year, and he's becoming a guy that I really trust. Um, and when he comes into games, I'm, I'm feeling pretty freaking good about it. So um, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, Heath Hembree especially. Like, we know Kimbrell can be can be awesome so this isn't you know groundbreaking in itself i think what's groundbreaking is that kimbrell isn't walking anybody the same way that he was he's brought his walks per nine down from 509 last year to 1.35 this year so that's been stark but heath Embry, i mean this guy is awesome now yeah i think he's i get the same feeling as you when he's pitching there's something about the way he goes about his business where you, you don't seem concerned. Um, he just gets the outs. Uh, it's it's great. I think that he's the clear number two in the bullpen right now. And, you know, Carson Smith would be in theory, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, Henry, the only disadvantage is that he looks like John Lackey wearing a wig. But... <laughs> Uh, is that a disadvantage, though? Is that a clear disadvantage at this point? Looking like John Lackey? <laughs> With a wig, though? I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it is funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's great. I, I mean, he's he's been so... I I mean, I still get nervous with Kimbrell the rare times I get to see him, but... Henry uh, is just great. He's great. Uh, and, and why is it so rare that you get to see... Careful. Cause I'm asleep, cause I'm asleep. Cause yeah, I'm... yeah, because you're an old man. Yep, that's well, it. Well, that's the thing. That sale game we talked about, I was writing the, the recap for Over the Monster, so I had to watch it. And it's over at 945. Like, this is great. This is fantastic. Chris Sale games I'll watch. Yep. Chris Sale games are, uh, are the best to watch because uh, you know they're going to be over in like an hour. So that's... That's always amazing. So you went to the Chris Sale game. Do you feel like you're getting less for your money? Uh, I did when I was sitting so far away. I feel like, I feel like with good pitching performances, you need to be close enough to appreciate how awesome they look uh, in person. And you know, I did feel like I wanted to stay at Fenway 
and, and drink more beer. In the seventh inning, when they stopped selling beer, really snuck up on me. So, oh, uh, yeah, that is a killer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that they do that, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think it would be amazing to watch him from like right behind home plate and really get a perspective on how much those pitches move. That would that would be something else. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, so I'll never know, but I totally agree. Yeah, neither will I. I'm not paying for that. Maybe BP Boston will will buy us some tickets someday. Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the funniest thing we've ever said on this podcast. Yes, it is. Um, so let's talk about third base here a little Shout bit. Shout out to Brett Cowett, editor of BP Boston. Yeah, Brett's the man. Um, we love Brett. He's a, he's, he's, a, he's a boy. He is. Um, so third base is a mess now, and it is currently being manned by Josh Rutledge as we record this podcast, and it is going to be manned by Josh Rutledge and uh, Chase Darno for uh, the foreseeable future. Um, I don't know if they scored that play by uh, Rutledge from the beginning of the game as an error, um, if they did, that would be the 12th error committed by third baseman for the Red Sox this year, um, which is far and away the most committed by any team at third base. Uh, and not only that, it's far and away the most committed by any team at any position. Um, so third base is a nightmare. And not only that, it's not like they're getting offensive production here. Um, they're batting 228, another great stat uh, brought up by... Uh, Alex Spear, so we'll take from him again. But 228, 264, 331 is the line that they're getting out of that position heading into tonight. Uh, that is awful. That is just so bad. Um, it's become a black hole and a defensive liability, which is like pretty much the worst combo that you can possibly have. Uh, at this point, I think they probably have to consider the possibility of bringing up one of the glove-only guys uh, down in AAA, like a Dominguez or, a, you know, even a, uh, what's that guy's name, Marrero, who is a good glove but can't even hit AAA pitching. Like, is that an option at this point? I think it doesn't hurt to have one on the roster. You want to be able to have one to play when you need them to play. Like, if you can't afford to start them because that isn't, you know, uh, good enough. It's not like the guy's replacing them uh good god manny machado just hit one out of fenway out of fenway at left center not left field left center well, uh, i will be pressing the rewind button on my tv when i'm done with this podcast god he hit it a long way um anyhow uh yeah i think one of those guys is necessary i i am um, I sort of think the third base thing is funny. It's like the drummer for Spinal Tap. Just <laughs> constantly, just they just keep dying and you just keep replacing them. But that's the, that's the simplest solution. I mean, if Christian Vazquez is going to put up 1,000 OPS, sure, have a no-hit guy at third base. What does it matter? Um, yeah, they, well, they pretty much have a no-hit guy at third base right now anyway. Uh, can't Rutledge hit the uh, was it lefties? Can't he hit lefties pretty well? Uh, supposedly. Yes. Um, 
but you know we'll we'll see we'll see how that whole thing shakes out but it begs the question um you know are the red sox going to look to fill this position from the outside or are they going to wait for some combo of brock holt or devin marrero or pablo sandoval to return and it seems like no one really knows how serious Marco Hernandez's shoulder situation is right now, and he wasn't good at third base anyway. I think he had six errors there um, <clears throat> going into the game where he got injured. Um, and, you know, who knows when I, he's going to be back. Say, I don't think they're going to change strategy, and here's why. The strategy was always, we're going to get, like, six guys who can kind of play third. And... Best case scenario is we have three who are really good at, or, you know, good enough. Worst case scenario is that we're, like, down to our last two in a month. Okay, we're dealing with the worst case scenario. However, with players potentially coming back, I still feel like we're in the range of outcomes that was planned for when they sort of took this approach to third. I think we're at the very close to breaking out of it, but I still think with Rutledge around and now they have Darno. So maybe we've broken out of it a little bit, but <laughs> Darno couldn't have been in those places. Right, right, right. Darno wasn't there, but I still think that they believe that between Holt and Sandoval and Rutledge and you know we'll see with Marco Hernandez, uh, they believe enough in those guys. All right. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, which you are, um, you have probably been knowing that or noticing that our audio keeps going like in and out. Um, that is because we are having some technical difficulties. So if this has sounded odd or disjointed or whatever, it's because we've been uh, dealing with that the whole time. So we're going to wrap and, things up here. And because we're us. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is atypical, but but typical of us. Uh, the last thing we'll do, though, is, is wrap it up with our third base discussion. A couple guys that were talked about as potential uh, by Chris Smith online, which I kind of balked at, were um, you know whether or not the Red Sox would go after somebody like a Mike Moustakis or a Todd Frazier. And I think that that's way out of the price range for what the Red Sox probably want to pay for a position that they can presumably fill from the inside with Rafael Devers. Uh, as soon as maybe the end of this year. Uh, Devers is currently 20 years old, batting 324, 359, uh, 595 at AA, and looking every bit the top prospect that he is. Um, so I do expect that he is going to be up by the very end of the year, and it's hard for me to envision a scenario if things continue to go well for him where he doesn't have the everyday job. Uh, next year even though Pablo will have two more years remaining on his contract like you know he's he's just the better option at this point yeah yeah I totally agree uh yeah it seems like the end of this year uh is is the likely uh landing place seems like a thing where there's like you're in you're there okay you just don't worry about it and you just play uh so I don't think that now is a good uh, time and yeah i think the price for those guys would be high i like frazier but i think the price would probably be too high but he would he'd be nice in fenway he would be and, and if you could do it for like a really reduced package uh it's something that they could think about and i don't know what the market will be for a guy like that it seems like almost every other team is flush at third base 
uh, other than the Red Sox. So maybe the price will be lower than you think. But if it's going to cost anybody who's meaningful to the Red Sox future, uh, it's hard for me to think they'll do it. I mean, if they would do it for like Brian Johnson or something like that, I wouldn't really have too much of an issue with that or Henry Owens or something like that. But I, I got to think that the price will be more. Yeah, I would too. Um, and I don't want Moose Tacos. I don't want any Royals. I just, those guys just run me the wrong way. Well, well, there's that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, there's no. What are you gonna say to that? I mean, except for Kane, obviously, but he's not going anywhere. But yeah, what's your um, thing against the Royals? It's just it's something about them. Just this. It, you know, it's all just Hosmer. I think it's okay. all just. I'm just funneling the Hosmer hate to the entire team. I'm down with irrational hate. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I irrationally hate your headset today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, that's very rational. Um, but let's uh, let's wrap things up so we don't get sabotaged again uh, by our technical difficulties. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast even a little, <laughs> listen to our other podcasts because they are a little bit smoother um, than this one when we don't have technical issues. Um, you can find us and download us and subscribe to us and rate and review us and all those good things uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we really do appreciate it when we get feedback, uh, positive or negative. Um, and um, you can find Brian on Twitter at... Brian, where can they find you? Uh, Brian Joyner, B-R-Y-A-N-J-O-I-N-E-R. Okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't write it down today. Um, because that's the way the show is going. And you can find me at DevJake. Um, and we will be with you next time uh, if you are still subscribed to this. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, oh, dear Lord, what the fuck did we just do?